Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Connection. I am one of your co-hosts of this program, Ann Baldwin, President and CEO, Baldwin Media. 22 years, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, CEO of The Connection. And you've worked there for how many years? 27. Oh, you got me beat, boss lady. That's me, (laughs) thanks to you and my lovely birthday presents. (laughs) It was so much fun. It was just, it was great. And then there was this one glittery pillow because you're all into glitter and glam and and high-heeled shoes and and shih tzus and everything else. Thank thank God I don't have a female shih tzu because (laughs) I'd be getting her nails done and all these little glitzy, you know. It's so much fun, though, you know, and it's outfits. It is. It's so much fun, and it's just, it's such a stress reliever. I got to tell you, Lisa, you know, you're the CEO of The Connection. I can't even imagine. You have how many people working within your organization? Close to 600 with contractors. Unbelievable. But, you know, know. the the great thing about The Connection is a lot of those people are self-motivated by what they do and who they do it for. Oh, so much. And, uh, but still, there's a lot of stress that goes with that. And then in my business, which I do a lot of crisis communication, helping businesses deal with uh, today's news media, which is a whole nother show, um, you know, it's nice to be able to have this program and to talk about things that, you know, people don't always talk about. Right. And talk about how there are resources available for folks that might find themselves in a situation that's not, you know, ideal, to say the least. And for me, it's like finding the right resources and finding the right help um, is critical. Like, for example, for me with my alcoholism, you know, I had an intervention. And if any of you out there have ever watched the TV show Intervention, I could have been, I have. during ratings, I could have been the season premiere finale. Like, it had a little bit of everything in it. You know, there was drama. There was, I won't even get into some of the details. But, you know, thank God for that now. And as I look back now, eight years, I can say, thank goodness, my family, because I didn't have the right state of mind to find help for me, because I didn't think I had a problem, that other people come to your come to your um, aid and find those resources, as a lot of people do when they go to the connection, whether it's mental health, whether it's someone coming out of incarceration, whether it's supporting supportive housing services, whether it's foster care. And I always love it when we get to speak to connection clients, and that's what we get to do today. Yeah. We're, we're talking this with... This is the best. This is the best. We're talking with Stephanie, and we're just going to call her Stephanie because that's all we need to call her. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the program. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, everybody. So, we like to start, Stephanie, if you could just tell our listeners, where were you? What happened? Okay. So, I, um, so I grew, the, grew up in northern Michigan where I lived with my mother and my younger sister and... 
in December 16th of 1996, my mother was murdered, and she, my stepdad killed my mom, he killed her boyfriend, and then killed himself. Oh, my God. Oh my and God. Um, at that point, my life was flipped upside down. Everything that I thought it was, it was never the same. I came to Connecticut where I lived with my father, and my dad's side of his family was all here. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, go on with life. I graduated from high school, had a couple of jobs, bought my own cars, and later on in life, the PTSD killed me. It was a feeling that I never knew that I had, and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I went from one substance to another substance to another substance, chasing the feelings of trying to get rid of that horrible feeling that I had in the back of my mind. I, um, you know, my addiction took me to really dark places where I were wandering the streets of New Haven um, at all hours of the night, and I knew that if I didn't do something that I was going to die. I um, went out to New London where I went to a rehabilitation center, and from there I went into a halfway house. With 90 days clean, they told me that I was going to have a baby, <laughs> and um, those are words that I've never had heard before. But I knew that I didn't want my daughter to grow up um, with the same lifestyle that I had had to go through when I was a kid. My, life, my childhood was always a really bad hot mess, and I went through a lot of things that I wish that children never went through. And, um, you know, so I was destined to try to make sure that my daughter's life was never like that. Um, you know, my dad, my, her father started using when he was about a, when she was about a year clean. And, you know, throughout there, I was trying to raise a baby and, you know, and it was the first time in my whole life that I had ever been clean in my whole life. So, you know, it was all new to me in the first place. I was able to get good jobs, and I was working, and one day I was at the beach, and I twisted my knee the wrong way, and I ended up on some prescription painkiller. How, how many times do we hear that? Yeah. Right, Lisa? Uh, oh, you yeah. know, so, so you had an injury, you hurt your knee, yes. now you're on painkillers. Then I what happens? I was for two and a half years. I, you, know, I, they, you know, once I had the surgery, they stopped the painkillers, so I was, you know, still addicted. I was already addicted. And I was afraid to tell anybody because, one, I was mom, I was working, I was taking care of everybody, and I was afraid to tell the truth. I was afraid of losing her. And, um, you know, so, you know, I had opened up. I went to, a, you know, my job. I worked at a detox facility, and they asked me to come in one day and give them a urine. And at that point, my God, for the first time in, like, for that few months that I was using, I was able to tell the truth. And I was, I was really happy that I, I was able to go in there and tell them that, listen, I, I don't need to give you a drug test because I know I'm going to give you a dirty one. Um, so I was able to go get help. I wasn't able to stay clean at that point, but I got home, and somebody had already called DCF. And, um, you know, they came in. I lied to them. I was, I was still lying because I didn't know. I, I was so afraid of what the consequences would be. And I'm... Um, you know, one day my daughter's father came into the house. He packed up a bag. He told me he was going to take my daughter overnight, and he took her. And he told me I was not. He called me the next day and told me I wasn't allowed to see her anymore. Um, How old was your daughter at the time? Almost two. Wow. So she that I was all she knew. You know, so it was really hard for her too. Um, he came to my house. Well, at that point, like I was my feeling of the disease of addiction took over 
and I, it went running. I felt like a failure. The disease was talking real loud. Like it told me everything that I, that I was a bad mom, that she was better off without me. And it, and I went off running like only for like four days, but he came there to try to help me and ended up using two. So my daughter was placed with his sister and I, um, you know, when the DCF came there, we were both a hot mess. Um, you know, I, at four days into being there with him, I went into a detox facility on my own and I went to a 30-day treatment um, facility right there and I went to their 30-day program there and then from there I went home for a couple days and I had to get my house in order and went into the mothers and children's program that they have in Grind and um, the mothers and children's program that they have there. Okay, we're going to stop you for a second. Okay. Um, so just to recap, and, and I don't know how I can do this, and, and I just I, my, I think all of our mouths here are just, our jaws have dropped. So you witnessed your mother murdered mm-hmm. by your stepfather, mm-hmm. who then turned whatever it was on himself. Yeah. And that then triggered PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And Lisa, and that's what happens. You know, then you... You, you have an injury, you're, you're subscribed painkillers, then you're addicted, then you're pregnant, you're still addicted. So let's talk about Lisa from this perspective. So then she gets into this mother's, to this retreat. mother's retreat. So That's our program. That's the Connections residential program located in Groton that we opened in 1995. So what does that retreat look like, Lisa? Explain it to me. So here I am, I'm out of rehab, I have nowhere to go. So the Mother's Retreat is located in Groton. It's a really beautiful house that's um, set off of uh, a main road um, there in Groton. And um, the women that come in, eight women, up to eight women and seven children, live there. That er, Moms have their own room, and they're provided with uh, 24-hour care, staffing, case management services, reintegration into the community, substance abuse groups, relapse prevention, Basically, we will work with a client on any issues that she may have. Um, Stephanie, your story is powerful, and clearly you are a survivor, and um, my hat's off to you for being brave and courageous and talking about your story and coming onto our show. So, Stephanie, when you went into the mother's retreat, was your daughter with you at that point? No, she wasn't. I made an agreement with um, the worker, the DCF worker, that I would go into the program on my own for 90 days. Um, on the 90th day, they gave me, well, I had visitation, so she was able to come for one hour at first. And then it went from one hour to two hours, so one hour two times a week. And then from that, it was, you know, one day that she got to sleep over. You know, it gradually became a reunification process. So she was able to stay over on the weekends um, eventually, and then I was able to leave the facility with her on my own. I, um, you know, I used to have to have a lady sit with us, and, you know, the person would be watching everything that we did, whether you were on the phone, whether you were paying attention to her. You know, I went to parenting classes. I had a specific steps that they asked me to do, and I did those times ten. Um, you went above and beyond. Yeah. And then I you was in counseling. Right. I was 
like whatever they could, you know, whatever they asked me to do, I did that and some. Well, you know, and that's the point, Lisa, too, that Stephanie brings up. Is that part of what you're all about is reunifying families. That's the goal. And treating the whole family. Absolutely. Because it doesn't do anybody any good, mm-hmm. you know, if for Stephanie to work so hard to get where she's at and then to still keep that child from her, you know, once she's back on track. They but don't make it easy, but... Well, but, won't. you know, they should... With all due respect, they shouldn't make it easy. No. You know, because uh, I think you got to prove yourself, right? you got to prove... Right, there's consequences. And I know in my own recovery, I've had to regain trust. I've had to regain respect. Especially um, when a child's involved. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. But it sounds like you did what you needed to do yeah, under so the right within, circumstances. Within, um, you know, the six months, uh, she was returned to me, so I was able to to get my daughter back full-time after six months, and um, that's usually pretty unheard of. They don't normally do that, but I had a worker who was very, um, she was very for me. She knew that I took my, you know, the initiation to do what I needed to do for myself before I was able to focus on her, Um, and she really, really fought for me to do that. And And that um, was a Department of Children and Families worker? Yes. And I want to say that out loud. Yes. And I want no, pe- I want really, I want to really repeat to right that you had a good worker that you had somebody who was behind you, somebody that was ahead of you, um, because I feel that a lot of times those folks I can't even imagine the job that they have and they're here in my building so I see it every day it's and true. I and I hear stories but you don't always hear the good stories of support you know you know I've no, talked they were to really good to me. yeah I've talked to many DCF workers throughout my um, work history that have talked about how difficult it is to see a child, have to take a child away from its mom or, you know, parent after visiting and put that child back in the car and take that drive mm-hmm. and how painful that is. And um, Oh, there's re- nothing worse than putting a child into a car that just got to visit for the mother it's for awful. an hour and she's screaming and crying because she doesn't want to leave. It's, it's the sad... And I, you can't cry. Yeah. You have to be I know. stable I and you have to show that you are not... But as soon as she walked away, you know, as soon as she drove away, I would be in tears. Of course. it's the hardest thing in the world. To because you know you're doing the right thing, and you know that you've gotten back on track, and you they feel, right, and you feel understand. like, I've I paid my dues, now give me, give me my child back. But unfortunately, you know, there's a process that, for the for the well-being of the child, that has to be gone through. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's and tough. And she had um, a lawyer in the court system that also seen that I tried really hard and I had a good lawyer and the and that was assigned to me in the family court that was really good to me too so I had a, a pretty I mean if I wasn't doing the right thing they probably wouldn't have been so good to me but you know because I did do the right thing and I was doing everything I could to to prove that I've changed um you know they they look at you and they pull up all these bad things about you they go through your life like it was a fine tooth comb and um, they pull up whether you, all the years that you were you, and, and it's not about what you did, it's about who you are today. Um, you know, but they'll try to throw you under the bus for every bad thing that you've ever done. You know, and, it's, and it hurts to hear those things, but they're true. Yeah. They're true and they're right. facts. Mm-hmm. So even though it hurts to hear them say that, it's about what you can show them that you're doing to change. That's right. So, um you know, after those six months and they reunified me with my child, um, they put me on what's called the supportive housing program, um, which is what you guys have, you brought, you know, my worker was really good to me too. So I had really good workers and he was brand new. I was his first client that he ever had. (laughs) 
And um, but he did a really good job, and my daughter really, really liked him. He used to blow up balloons for her. Aww. That was his. He did that on the side, and he would blow the balloons up when she would be. She was only two years old, so she was wild and throwing fits, and you know. And um, so they put me on the supportive housing, and they put me on a few lists. And my name come up in New Haven, and you know I was so scared to come to New Haven because I didn't have anything but bad memories there. My whole family from my dad's side lived down in New Haven, so I was okay with it. But, and I knew what to do because I learned from the rooms in, in New London what to do when I got to New Haven. So as soon as I got to New Haven, I did that. Like, I connected myself with a bunch of women that were in recovery, that were doing things that, you know, that I wanted to be like, you know, and I wanted to, to surround myself with people that were clean. And, um, you know, so I throw myself into those meetings and I made sure that I was in at least three of them a week because they tell me that, like, without my recovery, like, all the rest will fall apart. And I learned that very quickly in New London, that that scenario was very true. And um, so I was really afraid to play that tape when I got here in New Haven. And um, so when I got here, I was on cash assistance. I, it was hard. It was very difficult. I came out here and I jumped into it, tried to get a job. I I landed a job and it was only per diem, but it was in an agency that I believed in full heartedly of what they believed in. So my first job here in New Haven was driving for road to recovery. So I used to drive people to rehab and to detoxes all throughout Connecticut, which That's is really, great. really cool. Yeah, so it was a really good job and I ended up landing another job in the same agency and um you know, and that was full-time, and I was, you know, a little bit, it was a lot easier than it was before, so every job that I've ever had in, since I've been clean, has been in recovery, from the detox, to the driving, to, I was a, a recovery support specialist, to, you know, now I'm a case manager, and I still work at that agency three years later. That's fantastic. And you just got a new job. I did, and um, I actually will be starting on the, tw- the day after Thanksgiving as uh, a state employee. What? So if you can sit here and tell me that like people don't recover or that they can't change, like I'm here to tell you that those are not facts. Well, and um, I got to ask, how old is your daughter today? She is five years old and she's in kindergarten. Aww. You know, I get to do her homework with her, and you know, for years I had full custody, but my daughter's father got clean, and um, he wanted shared custody, and I'm okay with that because now I get a weekend off here and there. That's right. And um, but he's recovering too, which is really cool about the process is that we all go through what we go through but if we can all come together for the the greater good the greater good is that little girl that's right important thing in my life right and the fact that you both focused on that and and saw that that to be the case and you know stephanie one of the things that you told me one of the nuggets that you got out of your recovery is you got to take care of yourself first yeah absolutely you really doesn't that you have to come first and your recovery has to come first because if you don't pay attention to that, everything else falls to pieces. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes, right? Because there's so many different things and people and places and things pulling you in so many different directions. Yeah. You just got to... work is no. like overwhelming. It is. Stuff. It's a so lot of work. Being mom all day long is, well, and is it, a lot. Right. And even but recovery. I would you. No. Any of those things for the worst day of my using, I would not give that back for any of the harder days that I have today. Because I know that I can get through any of those hard days as long as I'm not high and as long as I'm not using. I can get through those days. And it has proved to me from the day that I was on cash assistance to now being able to work for the state of Connecticut 
I was able to get my name off what's called the, you know, to have this book, right, for DCF and, you know, for, for neglect and abuse. And I was charged with those things, you know, and I, I didn't want to pay for that for the rest of my life. So I did some steps to get my name off that book. And now today I was able to sign a background check for DCF. And I passed that. It was fine. It's fantastic. Wow. We you don't always have to pay for those things for the rest of your life. Yeah, and you know, that's the, unf- well, it, it is what it is, but that's that's part of the the wreckage that you leave behind. You know, in some cases, it's criminal. That's it's right. criminal. It's crimes that have been committed. It might be, you know, DUIs. It, you yeah. know, there's so many things in that, that can come up in your past, and especially in today's computer-generated internet, Google search yeah. world, these labels and these mistakes that we've made, even if we've learned from them and moved on from them, follow you. stay with you forever. I was a consistent larcenist, persistent, whatever they call it, but I was that for, for my whole childhood when I was younger, and I learned those behaviors from my mother. And, um, you know, I was able to see those patterns of behavior that I was carrying because of the pattern that I learned when I was a kid from the men that I was dating. Like, I dated the same man with a different face my entire life. And I'm here to, like, I have been single for four years because I'd seen that pattern in myself, that I was just going from one man to the next man. And I didn't want my daughter to learn that same trait from me. Right. So I learned, I quit smoking in Mother's Retreat. I quit smoking cigarettes. Wow. And they could not believe it. And they were like, but I did, I I knew that if, if they gave me that baby back, like, I didn't want her to learn how to smoke a cigarette from me. So I, I don't want her to learn all those bad things and come home one day and be like, I did it because of you. And um, I don't want her to ever come back and ever have that negative thought of me, ever. Do you, do you realize, do you realize not only are you a story of courage, but you have changed this cycle of what happened to you as a child that was so difficult and you have given, not only have you changed your life, Stephanie, but what you've done is paved the way for the most important person in your life, which is your daughter, yeah. by setting such an amazing example as a woman in recovery and a strong mom who can overcome life's uncertainty and difficulties. And uh, for that, I want to tell you that I give you a lot of credit for that because I think that part of getting better in whatever demons we're dealing with is to change those patterns and things that we were exposed to as a child and to turn it around and change the next generation. And congratulations because you've done that. Yeah, it's it's you know, amazing. She comes home and she tells me how much she wants to be like me. And they bring tears to my eyes because, like, if you ever thought for a second that somebody would want to be like me, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, there was never a person in the world that would say, I want to be just like you because I wasn't a person to be one, to what you should be like. You know, I was arrested multiple times for stealing. Only, thank God, for larceny in the sixth degree, but it was like petty things, you know. And um, from that to walk in the streets of New Haven, you know what I mean? Like, she'll never know those things about me because I'll never, I don't ever want her to see me like that. You know, I don't ever want her to be like, you know, the shame that I feel when I know that what I have to, what I went through when I was a kid. Like, I don't want her to feel like that. No, and you know, I think sometimes, I think sometimes, Stephanie, some people, the people who make the best parents are the people that have, 
made mistakes and you know your your circumstances uh, much of which were beyond your control absolutely um, and you've made mistakes and you've learned from those mistakes and more importantly you're breaking the cycle right yeah. you, you know, know and today I get to take my clients to you know I work with people who are homeless which is a really difficult population and um, but it's the best to watch somebody's life change before my eyes just because I gave them hope you know and um, that's one thing that I had when I went to this program is that the Mothers and Children's Program is that they showed me that there was hope. I felt hopeless when I lost my daughter. I felt like the world came crashing down really hard, and it was a hard reality to live in. And um, But they helped me to love and forgive myself, which is a really hard thing to do when you're living with the shame and guilt of losing a child. There's nothing more difficult than that. I mean, um, I know I, yeah. a lot of my friends, they still are using because of that feeling. Right. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But, you know, and it's it, it like we have a sad face. But then now we've been smiling. You know, yeah. as we sit here in the studio, I don't think our grins have ever been bigger uh, because of the pride. You know, we're so proud of you. And, um, you know, I personally can say I relate to not everything, obviously, that you've been through. But... You know, I know the process can be difficult and that, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta pay the price for the mistakes that you've made, but you've you've paid the price and you've gone gone above and beyond and now you're gonna have a job with the state. It's fantastic. You know, Full time employment, benefits. Did you ever think you'd see that day? No, so when they asked me when I started here, like if I wanted a four hundred one K plan, I had no idea what that was. <laughs> I had no idea. But you know, I have a and they they asked me, you know, one time you know, when I was writing my steps, they asked me, you know, what is your plan for the future? And obviously, honestly, I didn't have one. I didn't have one at all. But, like, today I live in a little house and down by the beach in East Haven. Nice. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's, a, it's our own little house. And we have two cats. Like, I'm the cat lady, whoever thought. So, yeah. And um, But that was what she wanted. She really wanted a cat for Christmas, and I was able to make that dream come true. That's fantastic. And um, we went from that little apartment, you know, with the, the supportive housing to this little house because she, when we were moving, she said, Mommy, I really just want to live in a house. So a little house you will live in, kid, you know? Yeah. That's well, fantastic. Stephanie, I can't tell you enough how much um, I'm sure our listeners appreciate you being so open and honest and you know, and we've got just a few seconds left. What, what, what's the message you want to leave for people out there that are listening to this show? That there is hope that we do recover, that we make mistakes, but we do not need to pay for them for the rest of our lives, and that we can get better and our lives do change if you take this one day at a time. Like not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. Stay in today and it will be better. But, yeah, wow. there's hope. And you're living proof of that. You are. Well, I want to say, uh, Stephanie, our best to your daughter and um, continued success to you. And thank you again for being so open and honest. And we want to remind yeah. our listeners, too, that, you know, I am sure Stephanie would attest to the fact that a lot of what the connection provides is the reason she's where she's at today. Yeah. And because they actually gave me that stability and was able to, to check up on me once a week, you know, even much... I hated my case manager coming to check on me once a week. It was awesome because I knew he was going to be there no matter what. It's yeah. our supportive housing program. Yeah, you got to be held this really, accountable. This really is, brings tears to my eyes. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really yeah, amazing. And, I, and I, I, he has my number, 
and he was able to reach out to me and ask me if I'd be willing to do this because one day when I was on outreach, I was downtown in New Haven, and we ran into each other, and he was like, wow, to see you, you know, from the day that I met you to now is an incredible change. But That's awesome. But he said to me the other day on the phone, he said, you know, I, and, and he said, I mean this in the nicest way, but when I heard your story, I was like, oh, great, here we go. And he said, but you gave me a turnaround about being judgmental, not judgmental, but, like, judging the character from the outside and just reading what you read and getting to know you and getting to know your story, I realized that you can't you can't do that, you know. And he said that you changed my eye from the second you were my first client, and now I'm able to tell the story to other clients that I have that can't see anything in the future. That's fantastic. So I'm, well, thank I'm very you. grateful that you guys asked me to do this. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much. You're the reason why The Connection does the work that it does. That's right. And if you want more information on the programs that The Connection offers, you can go to theconnectioninc.org. What else is there to say other than thank you for listening to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.